You're listening to NeuroFrontiers on ReachMD, and this episode is sponsored by Novartis. Here's your host, Dr. Charles Turk. Welcome to NeuroFrontiers on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and joining me to explore the patient journey in multiple sclerosis, or MS, disease progression, is Dr. Michael D. Kornberg, Assistant Professor of Neurology and the Associate Director of the Adult Neurology Residency Program at Johns Hopkins University. Dr. Kornberg, welcome to you. Thank you very much for having me. To start us off, Dr. Kornberg, can you give us a brief overview of how disease progression is typically identified in patients with MS? Absolutely. I think it's helpful to start with a little bit of nomenclature first, because when people say disease progression, they can mean different things. So I think of progression of disability in MS as having two potential causes. One is inflammation, inflammatory disease, and those are new clinical relapses and new lesions forming on MRI. And those two things together can lead to increased disability. And sometimes when someone refers to progression of disease, they're talking about poorly controlled inflammation or inflammatory disease activity. The other definition of progression is what I would call relapse independent or inflammation independent progression. And this tends to happen in later stages of the disease, what we call the progressive phase of disease, in which people will sometimes experience a insidious worsening of disability, even without new inflammatory activity, without new relapses or new lesions forming on MRI. The way that we identify those, so for inflammatory activity, aside from patient reporting of new symptoms that are concerning for a relapse, it's with MRI surveillance. So getting MRIs periodically to make sure that their treatment is effective, they're not developing new lesions. In terms of monitoring for disease progression, otherwise, it's a matter of our neurologic exam and and some additional tools to help us pick up increasing disability over time. So certainly there's patient-reported outcomes when they report that, that their functioning is decreasing over time. There are bedside neurologic exam, which we can follow over time. And then in an ideal world, we have some ancillary testing to help as well. And when the disease develops into secondary progressive MS, how do you approach managing that condition and counseling your patients? Absolutely. So this is why I think it's important to start with the nomenclature, because the way that I approach it depends in part on whether progression of disability is driven, at least in part, by inflammatory disease activity. So for someone who's experiencing progression of their disability, but they have had active relapses or they've had new lesions form on their MRI, then that's what we call active secondary progressive MS. And in those instances, our current disease-modifying therapies have a large role to play because We know from studies that people who have superimposed inflammatory activity will benefit from those disease-modifying therapies that prevent that inflammatory activity. And so for people with active inflammatory disease, disease disease-modifying therapies play a, a big role. So to target specific symptoms, to maintain people's functioning as best as possible. And so those can be pharmacologic and non-pharmacologic interventions for other symptoms that they may be experiencing, bladder problems, depression, fatigue, as well as what very important, rehab and physical therapy approaches. So physical therapy, physical medicine, and rehab for physical disability. We refer people to neuropsychology and cognitive rehab when they're experiencing progressive cognitive dysfunctions. And so really it's it's a multi-pronged approach and is best done in a multidisciplinary setting. But the key point that I like to make to patients and also to 
other providers is that even when our typical disease-modifying therapies don't have a major role to play in someone's disease, we can still do a whole lot to improve people's quality of life by focusing on those symptomatic issues and rehab approaches. So with all that being said, Dr. Kornberg, what are some strategies we can use to recognize and treat MS progression earlier in the disease course? Another great question. So if we're talking about inflammatory disease activity, the ways that we can do that right now, which have been standard for quite a while, are frequent neurologic exams and routine surveillance MRIs. In terms of monitoring for progression of disability, in an ideal world, we are using many different measures of disability. So we tend to think of physical disability in MS but it's important to understand that cognitive disability is very common, particularly in later stages of disease. And so my view is that the more data we have, the more likely we are to catch progression. And so what that means is in addition to our routine neurologic exam, performing wider battery of tests, like some of what I've mentioned, tests of processing speed of upper extremity dexterity, and having a multiple sclerosis functional composite score that we can evaluate over time to catch progression. I think a big future direction is how do we catch people's functioning during all of that time that we're missing when we're not seeing them in the clinic? And so I think in the future, there's going to be a big role for wearable devices and other ways of monitoring people's function over time when they're just at home, out and about in their normal life. And I think that is going to be a tool that allows us to pick up progression earlier than we can right now. For those just tuning in, you're listening to NeuroFrontiers on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Charles Turk, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Michael D. Kornberg about the patient journey in multiple sclerosis disease progression. Now, Dr. Kornberg, I'd like to switch gears a bit and focus on the overall burden of MS progression. What can you tell us about the impact disease progression can have on a patient's quality of life? it can have a massive impact on quality of life. And I think the important thing to understand, which I've alluded to before, is that disability in MS is not always physical disability. So physical disability plays a major role. And in some people, that is the kind of predominant feature of their progression. And it is extremely discouraging both for patients and their caregivers when their physical function declines over time. But it's also very important to understand that cognitive deficits are very common in MS, and that can be equally or more disheartening and disabling over time than physical disability. And finally, even though you know, we can't always connect it clearly to progression of disease, it's important to remember that other symptoms such as fatigue, depression are a major part of MS and part of the disease and can worsen over time. And oftentimes fatigue and depression have a much greater impact to patients and their quality of life than physical or even outright cognitive disability. So with that in mind, how can we better manage the burden of disease for patients and their caregivers? So I said this earlier, and, and I'll say this again, because I think this is the major goal for people with progressive disease, is a multidisciplinary approach. Understanding that even when disease-modifying therapies don't have a specific role to play, or people are on an effective disease-modifying therapy and their disability is worsening, there are many other things that we can do to improve their quality of life and relieve burden from caregivers. Sometimes it's something as simple as physical therapy evaluations, making sure that people have the most effective assistive devices for them, doing cognitive rehab to give people strategies to deal with the cognitive deficits that they're experiencing. Now, before we close, Dr. Kornberg, do you have any key takeaways for our listeners? 
So I would say the key takeaways are number one, understanding the difference between ongoing inflammatory activity and progression that is independent of that inflammation, because the initial treatment approach in terms of our disease modifying therapies is different. I think number two, another takeaway is that disability and disease burden in MS is not limited to physical disability. We also have to keep in mind cognitive disability and ancillary symptoms such as fatigue and depression. And number three, it would be that even when we don't have a disease-modifying therapy to offer, there's plenty that we can do to improve quality of life for patients and their caregivers. And sometimes those are medications to address things like bladder function, and sometimes that is simply home safety evaluations or ongoing physical therapy. Those are my key takeaways. Well, with those final thoughts in mind, I want to thank you, Dr. Kornberg, for providing insights into the MS patient journey. It was great speaking with you today. Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it. This episode was sponsored by Novartis. To revisit any part of this discussion and to access other episodes in this series, visit reachmd.com slash neurofrontiers, where you can be part of the knowledge. Thank you for listening.